This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another amazing episode of the Stephen Jarvis and Friends podcast. Today, I am talking about the Minnesota Vikings decade of the 70s. But before I get into that, I want to talk to you guys about the Deluxe Edition Network.com and the podcast for the month of June, which are Barrel Age Chicks and the Deep Dark Secrets podcast, which if you go on the network website which is www.deluxeeditionnetwork.com you will find the june podcast of the month and also other podcasts that are for everyone thank you so very much and i hope you enjoy so today like i said we are talking about this the decade of the 70s for the minnesota vikings uh the 60s showed uh in the early part of the 60s with the Minnesota Vikings, it wasn't doing very well until Norm Van Brocklin had quit the team for the second time and they traded away their franchise quarterback, Fran Tarkenton. In comes head coach Bud Grant, who immediately turns the team around, makes them into a powerhouse, and this is the continued version of the powerhouse. Even though they lose four Super Bowls, they still were a pretty dominant team. All right. Let's get into the episode. Um, let's see. The team continued to shine in 1970 and 1971 as their Purple People Eater defense led them back to the playoffs. In 1971, the defense was so impressive that Alan Page became the first ever defensive player to win the NFL Most Valuable Player Award. The first post-merger game was a rematch with Kansas City where the Vikings won 27-10. to 10. However, quarterback Joe Cap had been traded during the 1970 offseason, and his replacement, Gary Quazzo, delivered some quite mediocre performances. Nonetheless, the defense carried the team to a 12-2 regular season record and the top of the newly created NFC Central Division. They lost the division round of the playoffs to San Francisco 17-14, continued strong defense made up for Quazzo's shortcomings as the Vikings won their division again in 1971 with a 11-3 record. The 71 season saw the Vikings play their first regular season game on artificial turf when they played Philadelphia at Veterans Stadium on October 10th. For the second year in a row, they lost the divisional round at home, this time Dallas, the score being 20-12 in the first NFL game played on Christmas Day. During this period, the issue of a new stadium began to surface. Metropolitan Stadium had originally been designed for baseball and was inadequate for an NFL team, seating 48,500 fans when the league now required a capacity of at least 50,000. Also, the stadium experienced harsh weather conditions late in the season. As the coldest venue in the NFL, it provided a considerable home field advantage to the Vikings, but was miserable for players, staff, and fans after October. However, no replacement was available for the time being. On January 27, 1972, the Vikings decided to get Fran Tarkenton back from the New York Giants. 
In exchange for him, they traded Norm Sneed, Bob Grimm, Vince Clements, and a first-round selection in 72 and in 73 to the New York Giants. While the acquisitions of Tarkenton and wide receiver John Gilliam improved the passing attack, the running game was non-inconsistent, and the Vikings finished with a disappointing 7-7 record. The Vikings addressed the problem by drafting running back Chuck Foreman with their first pick in the 1973 draft. Co-owner Bill Boyer died on February 19, 1973 and was replaced on the team's board of directors by his son-in-law, Jack Steele. The Vikings won their first nine games in 1973 and finished the season with a 12-2 record. In the playoffs, they defeated the Washington Redskins 27-20 and the Dallas Cowboys 27-10. On January 13, 1974, the Vikings played the second in their second Super Bowl in franchise history, Super Bowl VIII, against the Miami Dolphins at Rice Stadium in Houston, Texas. The Dolphins prevailed 24 to 7, easily handling Minnesota their worst defeat yet. The Vikings won the Central Division again in 1974 with a 10-4 record in the playoffs. They built on their cold weather reputation, defeating both the St. Louis Cardinals 30 to 14 and the Los Angeles Rams 14 to 10 in Frozen Metropolitan Stadium. Ugh. On January 12, 1975, the Vikings played in their second straight Super Bowl, Super Bowl IX, which was their third overall, losing to the Pittsburgh Steelers 16-6 at Tulane Stadium in New Orleans. In 1975, Mike Lynn, who had been hired the previous year as an assistant to Max Winner, was named general manager of the Vikings. In 1975, the Vikings, led by MVP Tarkenton and Chuck Foreman, finished 12-2, losing only to Detroit and Washington while remaining defeated until late in the season. However, the Vikings lost to the Dallas Cowboys in the playoffs 17-14 on a controversial touchdown pass from quarterback Roger Staubach to wide receiver Drew Pearson that became known as the Hail Mary. On the Vikings' next possession, Tarkenton was sacked just short of the end zone as he stepped back to pass, but the referees refused to penalize Dallas for pass interference. Afterwards, angry fans pelted the field with snowballs, and one referee was stuck in the head, struck in the head with a beer bottle, mimicking an incident two weeks earlier during the regular season finale in Buffalo where Foreman was hit in the eye with a snowball. The Vikings finished 11-2-1 in 1976, winning their division once again, and beating Washington at home 35-20. to They then won the NFC Championship game in the last playoff game at Metropolitan Stadium over the Los Angeles Rams 24-13 to to advance to their third Super Bowl in four years. However, a championship continued to elude them when they lost to the Oakland Raiders 32-14 to at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, California. On January 9, 1977, co-owner Ole Hasgrude died on March 13, 1976, and his widow Margaret took his place on the board, team's board of directors. In 1977, team attorney Sheldon Kaplan replaced Ritter on the board. Co-owner H.P. Skoglund died on November 5, 1977. In 1978, John Skoglund replaced his father on the team's board of directors, and general manager replaced general manager Mike Lynn replaced Margaret Hasgrude on the board. In 1977, Minnesota again won the Central Division with a 9-5 record, but the team was showing signs of age. Fran Tarkenton had torn his ACL in the previous season's playoff game with the Redskins and lost the ability to perform his trademark scrambling. 
after years of beating the Rams in frozen Metropolitan Stadium, they finally had to go to Los Angeles for the divisional round due to receiving the number three playoff seed and being denied home advantage. Instead of bright sunshine, there were heavy rains that turned the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum into a mud bath, and the Vikings prevailed 14-7 to on Monday, December 26. On January 1st, 1978, the Vikings played the Dallas Cowboys in their fourth NFC Championship game in five years at Texas Stadium. Minnesota lost the eventual Super Bowl champions 23-6. to uh, by 1978, age was taking its toll on the Vikings, but they still took advantage of a weak division to make the playoffs with an 8-7-1 record. The team had all but run out of gas as the Rams finally defeated them 34-10 in Los Angeles. Fran Tarkenton, had reti- Fran Tarkenton retired at the end of the season just shar- short of his 39th birthday. With Tommy Kramer taking over as quarterback, the Vikings fell to a 7-9 record in 1979. After that season ended, Defensive end Jim Marshall, the last link to the inaugural 1961 team, retired. Minnesota legislature approved a new stadium in 1979, and construction of the Hubert H. Humphrey Metrodome began in December 1979. A domed facility was chosen because of the harsh Minnesota winters and because it could be used for a much wider variety of activities than an outdoor facility. And that is it for today's episode. Join me on Thursday as I will be talking about the decade of the 80s for the Minnesota Vikings and how they never really could get back to a Super Bowl in the 80s. They got close, but never could. And also, we talk about the retirement of Bud Grant, the 3-13 and 13 year for Les Steckle, and also the comeback of Bud Grant for one season, where after that season... He would be replaced by Jerry Burns. Thank you so very much. I hope you enjoyed this. Please go check out the Deluxe Edition Network, where you will find the podcasts for the month of June, which are Barrel-Aged Chicks and also Deep Dark Secrets. Also want to shout out to all the winners of the Denny's, which was our award show, which happened last Sunday. Also, if you haven't checked out yet, go to the YouTube channel, which is Stephen Jarvis and Friends Podcast. Well, you will see last Saturday's live stream that I did for the fans. We had Mark Bensett Jr. We had Brian Alam from Talking Shit Show. And we had Robert Palmer from the Broken System podcast, where we not only ranked, but debated and talked about Mel Brooks's films. Also, I would like to say... A big congratulations to Bev's Video Kingdom for winning Podcast of the Year. Thank you so very much. This is Stephen Jarvis, and I will see you all on Thursday. This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to DeluxeEditionNetwork.com. That's DeluxeEditionNetwork.com. Welcome in to Metalhead Journeys. What is Metalhead Journeys? It's exactly how it sounds. It's a journey through the world of metal by a couple of metalheads. Are you thinking of getting into metal? Where do you begin? 
There are so many different subgenres. What bands are good? What albums are good? We'll provide answers to all of those questions. We'll handle all the research and do all the dirty work by listening to the good, the bad, and the ugly, so you don't have to. Classic albums, new albums, bands no one's ever heard of. Get ready as we'll applaud and criticize with the same passion. This is Metalhead Journeys.